Hello and welcome to a podcast of one's own, uh, brought to you by Edmund Apia's uh, Feminist Society. This month, our focus is on disability, a wide topic. And recently, we had a session on disability rights and representation. Uh, we have further events this month, such as our media club next week as well as another session on accessibility and feminism, as well as a movie night on the documentary Crip Camp. And if you're interested and want to get more involved, uh, we're at at FemSocNapier on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, our, this episode will uh, tie in with our last session of a uh, approaching on disability in education and representation in different many different ways. I am joined by a special guest, uh, Ellen, if you want to take it away. Hi, I'm Ellen. Uh, last year I was Disabled Students Officer at the University of Edinburgh while I was getting my degree in History and Politics. This year I am doing a Master's in Law at the University of Law where I am their Students with Disabilities Officer. Oh my god flex much <laughs> as of monday congrats love on paid rolls <laughs> <laughs> and uh other guests or not really guests uh it's a fellow committee member kaylee who's uh took the yeah. reins on the other podcasts yes yes i am the other one <laughs> i am the, <laughs> usually the token disabled member but now there's two so wow well, representation at its best <laughs> thanks to white disabled women <laughs> noise diversity <laughs> so yeah i'm kaylee o'neill i'm on the exec for femsoc you've heard me do stuff before and if you know femsoc or or are in femsoc fam you know my name pops up like every two minutes so yeah i just graduated from napier in july it was supposed to be doing a master's but you know covid ha <laughs> So just just chilling, just chilling. But yeah, I did. I was at Napier for four years. Did a degree in English. Um, was over at Queens and Belfast for a little while as well. And in my fourth year at Napier, I was the Equality and Diversity Officer, which was supposed to encompass everybody. But again, as I say, white disabled women didn't go so far. But we tried. We did things. Um, and yeah, that's it. And that's kind of how I met Ellen wasn't it yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> I love how we literally because I was thinking about this we met by me cold emailing every student disability representative in the city of Edinburgh and Kaylee was the only one that replied <laughs> was I oh yeah. oh I'm so glad I did there probably was a moment where I was like oh, should I <laughs> a nice moment I know, and here we are, a yeah. year and a bit later, after, because yeah. Yeah, we the first time we met properly, properly, we were supposed to have like an hour long meeting to talk about Disability History Month, and that was about 11am, and then at 6pm they kicked us out the building and we were <laughs> still there, which I think is very cute. Yeah, the fact we stayed that long, that's <laughs> oof. oof. Things. I was supposed to go to a class that day. I looked back on my calendar and I had a class I just didn't go to. I don't think there was anything more important than our conversation that day. That being said, can I remember any of it? No. Yeah. But that's fine. Um, yeah, we like planned quite good, quite good stuff, I would say. Quite I good. think we've done pretty well for ourselves, you know? <laughs> I say that because the events we did go through, there were always problems, but can you? That, those were not our faults. That was. Yeah. I can say this now that I've left. Those are the faults of Edinburgh University Students Association. I will stand by that. And they were, if you want to take it up with my lawyer, you can do so. <laughs> if you want to take it up with my lawyer, my lawyer is me. True. Yes. You of law. Is that the real reason you started studying law? Just Honestly, yeah. Good luck. I like justice and arguing. It's made for you. You're made for it. Yeah, we were gonna. Why don't we tell the story of our like TV adventure and then oh, we can talk the a little bit about lift. student activism? Yeah, so it was a, an event, the first of the first event at Edinburgh yeah. Disability History Month, where it was like a mixer, where it was like 
all disabled students come. It's so inclusive. It's so fun. We're gonna do it this. That a beautiful premise. It was yeah, one paper immaculate. Yeah. <laughs> but in execution, not so much. Mm. Yeah. So we. Because you were one of the people I roped in to coming early because otherwise I would have just been pacing in a room alone for a long time being very anxious about everything. And then, so the, how did we discover that it was, because it was, oh, I remember. So it was all going really well. Yeah, And then I didn't, yeah. suddenly, little Miss Kaylee over here, <laughs> God, well, so, so my... inconvenient, such a burden. <laughs> Oh, had to pee like a person does. I mean, this was like, yeah, two maybe an hour or two into the thing. The free drinks were flowing like water, but you know. <laughs> you know, as people do. And then, so the way TVA is basically the Edinburgh University main student building. You know, it's kind of the central hub on campus of the Students Association. So what a natural place that you would have a mixer. Turns out, no disabled toilets on the main floor, which is fine because they have lifts, don't they? <laughs> one paper, yes, immaculately. <laughs> yeah, one one external lift just to get in the door of the building, which is awful, but we'll get to that. Already then, off to a great start. Yeah, and then in in the building, there's accessible toilets on every like second floor or third floor, and obviously the floor we were on. It, it wasn't that floor. Why would you need it? Why would you need them? <laughs> Why would we do that? So you tore off to the lift, <laughs> immediately come back being like, there only one lift and the whole building's broken. <laughs> <laughs> to which I don't think I've ever switched into my, I'm going to go talk to a manager voice quicker. The cannon was released. It, it was, was really, beautiful. I was ready to fight. Uh, <laughs> and bless the staff, they were all lovely. Yeah. But I think I did scare a few of them in my tirade. Yeah, that's probably a good <laughs> word for it, really, isn't it? Um, so, I mean, eventually you did get to the toilet because lucky for you, there was a goods and services elevator. Yeah, and so the back kindly shoved into you through the back door, crushed you into a tiny wee lift. With uh, vegetables, I think, that were also going up to the kitchen. It was like frozen chips or something. Yeah, <laughs> just like... some, some food. Hmm. And you got to use the bathroom like a normal person, but um just like okay. everyone else. Yeah. And also, yeah, to go outside and then going down in this really slow um I don't even know what kind of lift you would call it, but it's like attached to the stairs. It's not really a stair lift, an external lift. I don't know. Um it was also pouring of rain because it's November. So I'm just like slowly going down this lift and the pouring rain. And I don't know if anyone's seen that episode of the IT crowd where like Roy's in the chair going down to the bus and it's like slow. Yeah, I just felt like that, but even, exactly more, like that. <laughs> even more depressing. Yeah. So yeah, but I think, but yeah. I my my favourite line that you said that night, you, you just came in like, I'll pee on them. I'll pee on the floor. I don't care. I'll pee on the floor. I mean, if there there wasn't any other option, um, like, yeah, I think, good. I think I would found that I'll do it. I don't care. <laughs> We're not part of the unis anymore. It's fine. Yeah, we can say what <laughs> we like. But yeah, yeah. so that was. Uh, I think that highlighted a major problem of student um, <laughs> activism, which is people just don't care, do they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I mean, later on, we find out that there was a there's there's a good toilet, and I rate the toilets obviously because I'm that person. Found a, a very nice, um, maybe like three point five out of ten toilet, three point five out of five, sorry. Um, in the building across the square, I don't know what you call that. Don't I don't know. Yeah, the, the um. Yeah, we had to like get a security guard to let us in. That would have been so much better, you know, like my physically. Uh, and like emotionally and morally, you know, instead of going through the back door and up with chips, it was a lot easier to just ask the security guard to let me in. But these are things that the uni don't think about until pe disabled people have problems with it and then they're like, oh, we're so sorry, we'll do better. It's like, no, you could have planned this better. But oh, and don't, but don't worry, they've got a changing places toilet now that's oh. also only accessible by a lift. 
No way. That is yeah. a bit lifted, like tiny as well. Yeah, I bet. <sighs> Don't worry, it's there. You just can't get it. <laughs> can't get to it, but it's there. They tick boxes. Well done. And let's go back to Callum because I sometimes the railroad did that. <laughs> <laughs> we just like Callum just sat back like I'm gonna let them. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Taking the reins. But yeah, why don't we go back to your first question? What was it again? <laughs> I even asked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's your chance to ask it now. <laughs> uh, so about uh, guess student activism. Guess what? What's most difficult or hard part with the area? <laughs> so the, I mean, this is like a FEMSOC ENZA platform, kind of. So I'm going to be slating them, but will ENZA <laughs> listen to this? Probably not. Uh, I think the problems I had, or that Napier and ENZA had specifically, is that there's just, there's like no resources. And I know that's no excuse, but there definitely, there was not enough people. And arguably, like Napier is a smaller university compared to Edinburgh Uni. So when you suggest like, you know, can we have a separate like women's officer or a BAME officer or this officer or that? They're like, oh, there's just not that many students that are interested. Like, no, there's no point, blah, blah, blah. Everything gets sort of brushed under the rug and forgotten about. And yeah, I went, I went, I don't know why, went into this equality and diversity officer role, knowing that I probably couldn't get anything done, but I just wanted to try and like make a change and the biggest thing I did probably was the disability history month events but I was studying and working at the time I just didn't have the time to do activism at the same time especially because my entire existence is actually like kind of a form of activism in itself question mark yeah, so, yeah. I completely that's exactly what I was going to say I was like the burden is on the students to fight for these basic fundamental things that the university should be doing anyway. And, you know, Edinburgh had, I mean, considering it's the largest and most well-funded and all that um, university in Scotland, had more resources probably, but did they use them for anything other than the uh, principal salary? No. Mm. Um, we were lucky enough that we did have um, the five different officer groups, but we were paid way less than minimum wage in terms of we got a stipend but you know <laughs> I mean one of the other officers actually tried to calculate how much we were getting paid by the hour for the work we were doing and we got down to a number and we were like let's just stop this isn't fun anymore um the we had to fight for so little funding to do stuff the staff that we worked with were great but they were spread really thin across a bunch of different stuff um, there didn't really seem to be any staff contacts within the university rather than the students association that took, not that took interest, but that, that had the time to fully devote themselves to these type of issues. Mm -hmm. And it just meant that we were, you know, we would constantly say in our um, reports and in our, when we'd all meet together as officers, that we are tired, hitting our heads off against the wall from bureaucracy trying to study you know I was working two other jobs because the 1,200 pound that we were getting wasn't gonna pay you know even my transport costs as a disabled person never mind like eating yeah it was just so frustrating because it was we talking about the group of five of us had such great ideas and we just weren't able to implement them because we didn't have the resources didn't have the staff support from the university. Again, no shade to the Students Association staff, they're great, but we didn't have the support from the university. We didn't have dedicated time, didn't have any funding, and we're just hit up against these weird layers of bureaucracy where you get shunted around so many departments by email that you just thought, well, what's the fucking point? Yeah, I think there was like a bigger, I don't know, like bigger awareness. As an outsider, I would say like a bigger awareness and expectation in Edinburgh University and it was a lot of it is performative and for mm. Napier as well they're like oh we have this equality and diversity officer we're not going to give her any help we didn't get like I didn't get a stipend no one gets a stipend the students association is very small at Napier obviously like a smaller student body I guess but it definitely does not represent the student body at all and it is awfully frustrating whenever you went to them and I was like 
Well, planning the, the Disability History Month events weren't that hard. And by that, I mean, because it was like all student work, it was all our work. And, you know, no one else was really interested in it. They just let me do it. But if I said to them, like, OK, there's this really big issue about um, students want to record lectures or have more online material. So, yeah, I go to Enza and I say, look, can we like, try to do something about this? Like, will the students, disabled students specifically, are suffering because of this? And they're like, well, that's the university you need to talk to. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Are we like two separate islands? Where is this office right now? You're, we're on campus. Like, can we not work together? We're supposed to, I'm supposed to be representing these students. And now you're saying like, no. Yeah, completely. Like on the note of performativity, I mean, I think it's like, like you were saying, like events are easier to run than tackling these big issues. So you end up doing, you know, I remember before I came to Disabled Students Officer, it was like spoken word poetry nights or craft days or taking photos of each other. Like, and it's just, this is a lovely afternoon, but this isn't going to fix the fact that my personal tutor is stretched so thin that they take four weeks to reply that the waiting list for the disability service is nine weeks long that all of these things are wrong I can't get to my classes because the timetable spreads out campus weirdly that the automatic door in this building doesn't work and I've tried emailing them six times and no one's answered you know it's all very well to have like here's a nice event with tea and biscuits but when these actual things aren't being able to get done Disabled students, you know, we're not idiots. And this goes for students of all marginalized groups on campus. We recognize the bigger structural issues. And then it's like, oh, well, why isn't anything getting done about it? Because the university is unwilling to change, doesn't have enough resources and doesn't frankly want to do it because they're off in Edinburgh's case, building a Edinburgh's future in futures institute where things will happen. And you're like, okay. Oh, the bus pass scenario. Yep. Um, I mean, to be fair, that is doing stuff. I think that's doing stuff at the moment, but um, that doesn't stop. I mean, I'll take me for example, because that's, I am the person that tried to apply for the damn bus pass in the first place because I didn't have enough proof that my legs didn't work, even though I was standing there at Edinburgh Central Library with a walking stick. Uh, (laughs) No, I I got... I've got four bus passes in my bag right now because every time I apply, like I moved so I can now get an Edinburgh Council bus pass, which means I can go on the trams for free as well. Oh, hello. I'd be doing that daily just for a little treat. (laughs) I want, if this pandemic wasn't going on, I'm out of here. I'm on that tram. She's just sipping up and down. (laughs) Airport (laughs) police. I don't give a fuck, honestly. But yeah, it took so many times because at first I applied with my blue badge and they're like, okay, have this one, but I need, I also need a companion on with me. And they're like, well, can you give us your PIP details? And I'm like, well, my PIP details don't match my now address. I don't know. I'm not trying to fraud the government. I just want to, I just want to go on the trams. Kelly, why would you, you be traveling without a companion? Isn't that not dangerous? (laughs) Why aren't you at home? For just a weak little cripple such as yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So moving on to question three, finally. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think the unis can now do after the pandemic better? I'm lucky because I'm doing a specifically online course. Like this course was going to be online pandemic or we've never heard of COVID before. So it is very well structured and very well set up. Um, but I think from speaking to people still at Edinburgh Uni, um, did you see that Edinburgh Uni's first day of the semester, the website crashed so no one could see anything <laughs> on the platform? And no. I was like, oh, don't change Edinburgh. <laughs> God. Which, I mean, I think they've ironed out the creases now, but um, the fact, what's really galling for me is that I was within the history school at Edinburgh. And ever since I'd been there, the history school had said, we are never recording lectures. We will never record lectures. Fuck you if we think that you're ever going to get recorded lectures from us because you're not. Leave us alone. Stop trying. Stop emailing us. Please get out of my office. Um, And, you know, we had this for four years, this battle that every year a disabled students officer was going to perform promise to get recorded lectures across all schools history was one of the last to comply 
and then suddenly COVID hit. Oh, now the able-bodied students need it. So now we're <laughs> going to give it to people, sure. You guys weren't actually as important before, but um, now the able-bodied people need it. You can have it as a treat. Um, and it's, you know, as much as it is so great to see more accessible learning practices coming in with lecture recordings, um, it's guess computer-based assessments, you know, not ha not having to leave the house. There are so many classes that I missed where my brain was fine. I just couldn't get out of bed. If I'd been able to just sit there doing it online, it would have been fine. But the problem is that when things return to quote unquote normal, I don't want to see universities regressing back into the traditional teaching models where all of this infrastructure that has been built up and creases have been ironed out everything's fine because now the able-bodied students want to do it so it's worthy I don't want to see them going back on all of this and I think the mm, I think some of them will oh absolutely because I mean before it was like oh we don't have the resources or we don't have the time to do it and now there's nothing but time and resources I guess to do it and then when it goes back to as you say quote-unquote normal because normal was never good for anyone anyway mm -hmm. um when it does go back to more in-person teaching or whatever then I can I can totally see universities or teachers you know saying like you should be so grateful that we can do it in person now like where have you been the past year this is you know this is a university experience that should have been or you know could have been so and then you know all of the excuses that were given I can slightly understand intellectual property and mm. lectures versus a university. You know, if a lecture gets made redundant, will a university then just keep all of their work? Blah, 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 blah. Mm. But at the end of the day, universities need to focus on their students. The only students they focus on are able-bodied students. Disabled students need the resources that they need to be on an equal platform to all other students. They're going to get their nine grand or government given two grand whatever <laughs> um either way if i go to lectures or not if i get that information or not if they truly cared about students then they would give me the information i guess i don't mm. know because my degree was i mean english you can kind of do that anywhere and i was told if i miss like certain amounts of classes then i'll be like kicked out of the course and it's like hun just put the slides on and this is the thing is like when you went into uni anyway you wouldn't learn anything fantastically more than you would reading off the slides we're we're paying or government's paying for me to get a good education <laughs> scott life but so Thanks, why nicola. thank you nicola uh so why am i why is it not good enough and that sounds so like like my free education isn't good enough but <laughs> Definitely but no one is discriminatory, Nicola. <laughs> yeah, Nicola, get get on it. There's levels, and it's yeah. I, I just don't get it. The online learning thing as well. I think I've heard that like assessments. It's not like you go into a room. Always thinking back to high school, how inaccessible that experience was. Going into an exam hall, having to sit for two hours, not getting any more extra time unless you like prove to fourteen different organisations that you need it. Um, so I guess if all new styles of testing had like a, yeah, like a 10 hour window to complete an exam in your own time, you're in the comfort of your own house, question mark, and you do this, some things seem better. Yeah, I really hope that continues. I prepped one of my big points as disabled students officer um, last year was preparing a disability studies course to be taught at yeah. Edinburgh which first of its kind in Scotland just to you know flex sadly yes. Covid has delayed its uptake however it will be uptaken thank you Edinburgh Uni for that <laughs> but a big part of that was going through and researching the best way that a course could be taught so that it's accessible to all people and all of it all of it said put things online have alternative methods of participation that aren't just going to the lectures, make the lectures available. Don't have exams, and if you do have exams, have them in lots of different formats. Do it in coursework. And with COVID, we've seen the move to all of these different types of arrangements, which is great. 
Sadly, the underpinning behind it is not for inclusion and diversity. It's because able-bodied students now can't leave their houses, just mm. like disabled people have not been able to for, you know, years mm. because of society. But, you know, it's amazing to see as soon as able-bodied people need something, whether that's, you know, disposable cups or online assessments, alternative arrangements for students, how they suddenly get them. On to representation. Uh... What is your guys' favourite example of it, uh, good and bad? <laughs> I must say that my yeah. list of bad is probably maybe about 300 times bigger than my <laughs> list of good. <laughs> and maybe 300 is underselling it, because on the whole, representation of disabled people, it's not good, is it? It's not good. I realised an interesting pattern in that when I think of good disability representation, I think of specific people. So I think of actors who are in things, people who are writing their own shows, people who are producing their own documentaries. Whereas when I think of bad stuff, I can list 10, 20, 30, a million films, books, and individual examples of very bad representation. So I think what that shows is that while there are great disabled actors and creatives making stuff the opportunities just aren't there and overall the media is completely saturated with violence against disabled people where there are able-bodied actors playing disabled characters normally in some kind of super crip uh disfigurement as villainy or oh it's so sad they're in a yeah. wheelchair kind of roles and it's all just a pile of crap yeah I would agree it's like when you think of good examples you think of like a person or a film but when I think of bad examples it's more like tropes and themes that people play into it's I've never I don't think like oh, I don't know like Tom Hanks playing Forrest Gump Ugh. that is like a com you know he like Tom Hanks is horrifically ableist or Forrest Gump is horrifically ableist it's all it's like what they've done with it and the almost like ignorance of it and yeah just the, the knowledge that they didn't have there and you're like okay this is now going to be spread around society this isn't just a film this just isn't a person anymore this is like a full-on cultural moment because of yeah the way it's put forward yeah I mean it, literally if you list your favorite like white boy actor of the month <laughs> they have 100 percent played a disabled person at some times i also found out the statistic today that from world please half of best actor wins have gone to an able-bodied person playing a disabled or ill character like it is violence like it is it's appropriation it's violence all of the narratives i've never seen in any fictionalized media a good portrayal of myself i've never been like yes that get it the only thing i've ever seen that in is the netflix documentary unrest by jennifer jennifer bray mm. um it's a great documentary on netflix about any chronic fatigue syndrome and that was the first piece of media i've seen ever that i was like yes that's that's me that's that's what me on tv looks like I get it now. I can understand how people can relate to characters because there's always just been something missing from all of the people that I'm like, oh, I like this character on TV. Good. There's always been something missing. Whereas I felt so seen after that piece of media that I tweeted about it, told my entire family about it, messaged like a billion different people about it and then cried for a good amount of time because I just felt so validated in my experience. Yeah. That's a good that's a good piece of representation but of course it's tr it's the true story of a disabled woman yeah it's yeah how old were you when you watched or found that though uh this year so yeah so 21 years old 20s <laughs> so it's only taken that long it's only taken so long you know and there are great i have i've never seen silent witness but my mum loves it and um liz carr she's mm. in silent witness and apparently her character is great you know, there's um, Ali Stroker, who was the first wheelchair user star on Broadway. There's, of course, like Peter Dinklage, um, hundreds of others. 
Matt Fraser when he did Richard III that was really cool but again like I think of these people as individuals and I'm like wow you're doing really great as you whereas I don't think Hollywood is doing so great at representing disabled people I mean Hollywood doesn't do great at representing anyone really unless you know they are Brad Pitt or Leonardo (laughs) DiCaprio you know that's Hollywood isn't good at representation but I feel like at least we've come far enough with like complex female characters that you know women can see themselves on tv I've seen myself on tv and in um the media millions of times as a woman but as a disabled woman absolutely not a chance my favorite and I mentioned this in the session and all on social a few times as well right now is the show speechless I don't know if you've seen it I've heard of it yeah yeah it's I haven't seen it though e4 right now it was like an ABC thing. I think it only had about three or four seasons because it was uh, cancelled because there was no interest, obviously, because no one wants to see a disabled person play a disabled person in Absolutely such a way. Not. And it is, it's just so good. It's like kind of, it's made to be accessible as in like, it's just a 20 minute episode, a little bit of humour. Um, the actors, the other actors, apart from Mika, have been in stuff before. They're, it's really recognisable. Is it's Mika just... in it? Mika Fowler, yeah. Cool. He's yeah. So yeah, another oh, another good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that was the first time that I saw myself, um, someone else with CP on screen, which was quite amazing. So this was like this time last year that I saw it. Yeah, like having conversations about it and people being like, oh, the, you know, like, what's the plot? Is it like, is it going to get better at the end? Is he going to have to go to a quote special school? And it's like, nah, there's just the episodes maybe just like revolve around him and his brother getting lost in a mall, trying <laughs> to get a birthday present for his sister. You know, it's really small, tiny stuff or like make a really, um, oh, what's his character's name? JJ. He really wants to go on a date or go to London or whatever. And then there's like the hurdles of like, how is he going to do this? But it's like the family thinking, right, okay, we're going to work over this and we're going to do it. It's not the main point of the story, his disability. Because yeah, I think that's what a lot of people get wrong is like presuming that we want things about the conditions that we have. And it's like, no, we just want to see a disabled person living as a disabled person who either is, you know, who's just going about their normal life doing disabled people things but that doesn't completely ignore the social issues that yeah. come with being disabled. There's no u- amazing disabled utopias where everyone just kind of, oh, it's fine. Don't even worry about what they have. It's yeah, everything's cool. Yeah. It's like, no, it's, <laughs> our disabilities do impede us because society's crap. And we need to have that aspect of it represented in media rather than it just being like either oh, she's, you know, she's in a wheelchair, but we're just going to completely ignore that for the entire time. Or it be so specific and about our conditions. Just give me something normal and realistic, please. I know. And that's on the social model. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, and the whole overcoming your disability narrative is just, like, was made up by movie theatres to sell popcorn. (laughs) Like, it's biggest bunch no yeah. one overcomes their disability. Either you have to sh- you shape yourself to fit society. Society, one day will fit it, make itself fit you, or I don't know, medicine you advances, die. and then or, or you die, yeah. <laughs> which but is then... another great trope. That um, I remember going to see it was me before you. Oh, I knew you were going to remember. Say what, that. Yeah, <laughs> with I mean Sam Claflin. I love you dearly, but what the shit was that movie? <laughs> the worst piece of crap I've ever seen in my life. Spoiler alert, he decides to kill himself at the end because being disabled is just too hard. Yeah, it's and a, it's not even thing. seen through the lens of him. It's seen through the lens of yeah. an able-bodied person who's then sad. Yeah, but she <sighs> looked after him. She's the saviour of the story. Yes, but don't yeah. worry. She saw past his disability and they fell in love regardless. Uh, what a hero she is for seeing a person as a person. <laughs> Burn it with absolute fire. Literally, that was yeah. one of the movies we spoke about in, uh, during the session. And it, 
then we jumped onto the thing of like he has like he's in an accident or yeah yeah so there is a I imagine there's a time at the start when the actor is able-bodied is that right so it shows yeah so even if like a disabled person played that character it would still be fucking awful (laughs) but you know I think a lot of media productions or whatever uh, their idea is like we can't have a disabled actor because we want to show the before of these things and we spoke about how Eddie Redmayne would play Stephen Hawking in The Theory of Everything and how your winner yes exactly lots of lots of awards there and it's like well you can't have someone late into motor neuron disease have a play the early stages because like physically someone who's had MND for like a long time can't just you know regroup their muscles and and play their past self but it's like well did we really need to see Stephen Hawking then and how tragic that is that's the arc that's the tragic story is him being able-bodied at the start and then ending up the way he did at the end of the movie I don't know where it ends um and again how much he was like a burden to his wife or whatever couldn't it just be about him doing science yeah isn't that what he did physics isn't that the main thing that we should be thinking of all of the science contributions that he did it's like I hate that you know this very serious film made me think of Glee but it made me think of Glee in that they made Artie the character in a wheelchair Kevin McHale plays him as an able-bodied actor and it's so that they could do flash like dream dance sequences to show Artie's true feelings towards being in a wheelchair because clearly he can't express himself when he's in a wheelchair and he just dreams of dance but that's all we want apparently is to be able to walk and Mm. I don't know not have crunchy knees and not have to apply for bus passes 8,000 times it's because I mean that one's true (laughs) I don't want that I don't want that but (laughs) But maybe just give me the bus passes maybe don't take away a fundamental part of my identity while doing it I know I'm trying so desperately to think of other really good examples of um, representation but the limited Sesame Street which I love (laughs) we love any Jim Henson production in this house um (laughs) they in they introduced and no I'm not too old to be watching Sesame Street I'm not questioning Um, that they have Julia who is an adorable little puppet um and she is autistic and is from all accounts a really great representation of autism in that she is autistic they say she's autistic that comes into her character but the way she kind of interacts with the other puppets um Mm. is actually just really wholesome and they kind of accept her for what she is and who she is and I mean, it's great that that kind of good representation is getting in to early stages of kids' development in that it doesn't shy away from questions. It lets the other characters ask her questions about what she's doing and you know why she is the way that she is. But it is positive in that kind of aspect. And then have it all undone. Oh, the new witches film. Don't. Oh, my God. Don't. <laughs> why it's like not to be like it's 2020 people because every year up until now has been a pile of shite yeah but you know we really would have thought we'd made some advances to not have a film studio change an aspect of a film to make it so that the characters looked more disabled and therefore more villainous did you see Anne Hathaway's response this we i'm sorry <laughs> if i may have accidentally not on purpose felt that other people felt that they felt that they, i'm sorry for the actions of the people who wrote the movie yeah thanks Anne. i will do better and this was next time you've already done <laughs> the damage so much I'm and it, the I warner brothers see. statement of the film being quote the film is about kindness. Huh? <laughs> that wasn't Roald Dahl's moral. <laughs> yes, 
the witches did not have hair. Yes. Hmm. Is that problematic? Well, yeah, you know, any kind of just looking different as an attribute of, yeah, and not having toes. But the fact that they wrote in them, because it says in the book that they had claws, but that was interpreted like cat-like claws, like an animal has claws. Yeah. Not having extradactyly. Say, like, why, where are the disabled people yeah you're telling me it's right that full production that no one was like isn't this a little bit uh, bad yeah and and it's that's what representation is like that's why representation is important because we need to have disabled people not just represented on screen but also behind the scenes working in production and in directing and in writing and in all of the other media jazz things that i don't know about because otherwise these types of things slip through the net of all these ables going yeah i think this is fine because um people with weird hands um spooky are are spooky yeah um oh have you seen the thing that i think it's spotlight agency came out with they're casting so whenever they put out to whoever i don't know how agencies work they put out into actors or whatever or to companies to can tick like i want a white person black person blah 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 yeah this is where it's going and there's literally an option that says like i acknowledge the equality act blah 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 but i don't want or refuse or whatever that whatever disabled people cannot come on this production oh my god there's like an option i don't know how a loophole question so that like they can a movie maker or whatever can tick that and then whenever a disabled person applies they can be like no we're not looking for you right now i mean that's like a horrible thing for ages they could do that with any sort of like minority i guess like actors and stuff i don't know um like black actors queer whoever would go for this role and they could be like oh actually no sorry this 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 isn't this isn't the vibe for this movie but it's they have one that says like no legally you can discriminate from you know like a disabled person within i don't know 100 meters of your set i mean imagine being someone like i'm about to cast for my movie and you read a sentence that goes i like the equality act but yeah and not seeing that there's anything wrong with that i can't I actually no, I can believe it. I can believe it. It's not that did not surprise me at all. But. No, that's just it's like oh, of course it's that shit because it mostly is. Yeah, I just really wish that people had the same energy um, for these sort of like bad representations and um, this like discrimination clause, like with spotlight that they mm. had what they have with any it- other minority <laughs> issue. <laughs> yeah, that you are starting with dis- the co- any conversation about disabled people disability rights you are starting not even the ground floor like basement level like some th- i mean it's incredible that you know we, and i'm so glad obviously i'm so glad we got this far in other conversations you know there's so many years of feminist discourse that great good i think people you know generally acknowledge now that being a woman isn't a bad thing however there are some people that you genuinely say to it's like oh actually being disabled isn't negative and they it's just it's like that you've just like told them the secrets of the fucking universe they're like wow i've never thought of it that way and i'm like how are we supposed to have these good informed interesting conversations and debates about disability rights when we're literally starting from a playing field of nothing because Mm -hmm. of poor representation so it means that people don't know i mean people don't you know, some of the very, very basic things in disability discourse, I would say, are like the social versus the medical model or person first versus identity first language. And you explain it to people. It's like baby's first rights issue. And it's they're like, wow, that's really good. And I'm like, yeah, but that's that's really not that yeah. advanced. Yeah. I mean, you think of like the way that we've been represented during covid where the vulnerable oh. people and you try and con- having to convince people your medical professionals and just anyone you ever come in contact with that we are we uh don't want to die 
during mm. this um we're worthy of life and they're Maybe like we're not dispensable um hmm. yeah and it's amazing the amount of <laughs> i mean i love a good tweet so occasionally I will tell people on Twitter that I see who are like, you know, maybe we should just let like some old and vulnerable people die so I can go to a rave. And I'm like, actually that's called eugenics. And they're like, no, I can't believe you would ever say that I, I said that. That is so offend. I am so upset. Yeah, you just reminded me of when Vanessa Hudgens did that. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, people are gonna cool. die. But... Gonna die, but like, is that? Is that? Are really do we? Maybe I should just end this live. <laughs> Maybe you should, Vanessa. Maybe this is why Sharpay was always the better character. Okay, now we're getting in it. Yes. <laughs> the whole like be kind thing has just meant that people can say whatever fucking shit that they like and expect there to be no consequences because as soon as they get backlash, be kind. And it's like you know yeah. what? No, you should be pointed out that you're wrong people's mental health is going to be bad during lockdown because there are no mental health services because people are poor people are starving people have been made redundant and that is not lockdown's fault that is the government's fault for having austerity measures that have lasted 10 years and that continue to affect people's lives who are they affecting disproportionately oh it's disabled and poor people oh it's ethnic minority people oh it's women mothers carers And if these resources were in place, we would have less of a mental health crisis. We would have less children starving. And it's not because of lockdown's fault that these things are happening. It's because of the Tory government that you voted in, hon, from Fiat 500 Twitter saying that, oh, I just want to go to the pub. Shut the fuck up. Stop going out to eat. Like, you selfish little... Yeah, Mm. honestly. And this whole, like, going back into lockdown, I'm like... Some of us never left, hon. (laughs) There's a second. (laughs) And to say, like, do you just continue that for another six months? And um, how about you just stay inside while I go to the club? Yeah. And all those those people that are saying, like, oh, we need to go back out. We need to go back out. We need to do this. We need to do that. You're the reason that there is another lockdown in the first place. If you just had stopped going to Spoons... Hun. Callum's like, how do I stop this? <laughs> you can't. You just can't. You can't. Once a train starts rolling, there's no stopping it. No, that's fine. Um, it's yeah. just ridiculous, though. Like, people... Because I already knew that people didn't give a shit, but there was a small part of me that was hoping that was just all in my head and that actually people secretly did give a shit. Turns out, no, yeah. just don't give a shit. They're just like, you know what? Just stay inside for another rest of your whole life. I recently, I was telling Kaylee before this, I recently got a diagnosis of something that I've been dealing with for over a year now, who, you know, I this referral has taken six months. Before that, it took ages for the GP to even take me seriously. I shouldn't have had to wait this long to get a diagnosis for something that I knew goddamn well I had because I'm a person who can use the internet and can read things and said, yeah, I've probably got that. So said to the doctor, yeah hello, help me. And they said, no, because self-diagnosis isn't valid because clearly my my entire life living with the conditions that I have, clearly that experience is just nothing in the face of a very well-educated doctor. And then, oh my gosh, God forbid you then say that the NHS isn't uh, cracked up to be. Because the NHS workers <laughs> are all heroes. They're yeah. not full of ableist jackasses who couldn't figure out their disabled arse from their disabled elbow as much as yes you know what must fucking suck going to work in a pandemic especially when you're one of the disproportionately affected categories of people bme bame um workers and carers um you know it must really really suck having to be a healthcare worker at this point but i'm sorry they're not all angels they are people who do not have the training in certain things that they need to They are people who will commonly brush over the experiences of women, LGBT people, emphasis on the trans people, disabled people, and ethnic minority people. It's honestly uh, like another part-time job or and whatever. And I think that's why when I talk about like my entire existence is activism, 
that's usually what I bring it down to. It's like apps, every single thing I do is shaped by my disability. Is shaped by it and affected by it. There's actually yeah. like anything I do is to, I don't know, it's just so... No part of my life can be completely disconnected from the fact that I am ill. Yeah, you can't, you can't... What I that. eat, where I go. Yeah, you try and go to the doctor. Say, yeah, go to the doctor's office. Going on a bus is like a hassle it's an activist stance me going on a bus is hard and then going to the doctors and trying to like fight my case every single time like you say get someone to listen to you when people say imagine if they treated mental health the same way they treated a physical illness and i'm like shut the fuck up (laughs) babe you'd be in the ground it's not physical health is so it's much like neither a good hunt like <laughs> let's not try and make one of those better than it is <laughs> they're both crap actually newsflash final question for you all uh any do you have any personal experience with inspiration porn oh. and if you would like to discuss what it is for our listeners so inspiration porn is basically when able-bodied people look at disabled people to make themselves feel better. But just objectifying disabled people, turning them into your little Facebook video of like, oh, look at this child learning to hear. Yeah. Here's this, this man, he stood up from his wheelchair. Wow, look at him go. So inspirational. And it's never for the benefit of the disabled person. It's always for the benefit of the able-bodied people watching it who can go, wow, there really is no excuse. If his shit life is, you know, okay for this one moment, then maybe my less shit life will be okay too. Yeah. No, it's like they believe, like, oh, well, my life could be worse. I think it was like Stella Young. And yeah. she's an activist like coined it. Her TED talk was really interesting. Um, and they call it porn because essentially it's the objectification of disabled people, specifically on the TV, in the movies, in your books, whatever. It's like you don't, what we've kind of mentioned before in the representation side, you know, you don't watch a disabled character just for them or their, I don't know, their love story or their, their plot or they're going around the mall looking for their sister's shoes. It's because you want to find out if they die at the end or if they're, and you know, if they die and then their family are unburdened or mm-hmm. if, um, yeah, they learn to walk again or see again or hear again or whatever. And it, and it comes in like smaller, but it's not just, yeah, like on TV and stuff as well. Like you, we get it. I get it all the time. All the time. So often. For doing nothing. It's great to see you out. And I'm like, babe, I'm going to Tesco. Where am I going? Out? Yeah, but you're so, you're so brave. Yeah. For letting people look at me. Yeah. And the thing is, they're not saying. They should be (laughs) honoured. Well, they're not saying like, oh, you're so brave for, I don't know, tackling the inaccessible barriers that have brought you to this space on the bus they are just saying you're inspirational for existing like oh you're inspirational for going to uni it's not like well done you have jumped through the 18 billion hoops that you need to jump through to get here you're just inspirational because you're sitting there and that's what I massively find a problem with is it's like it's performative and just to show you that they think of you as a person that they've got to tell you that they're like wow you're you seem competent it's it's almost like a you're not like other girls type of thing where it's like wow you you you're here good job well done yeah it's you're not like other disabled people as in you're not someone who go, stays at home and doesn't work and sponges off not like benefits. the bad ones yeah, who the claim bad ones. benefits who, you know the, the really horribly the, the really bad disabled people because Bad disabled people, of course, are the majority, but you're one of the good ones. Yeah. And it's like, you don't need to tell me that I'm one of the good ones because I'm not. I'm just <laughs> one of the ones. Yeah, because it's right. And they don't say it outright. They would never, I've never, I've never been told like, oh, you're one of the good ones. But that's no. What, that's what they mean. That's what. If you, because if you read and if you break it down, it objectifies you to the point where they feel good about themselves. And then they want to make you feel better about yourself 
by recognizing that because they now feel good so they're like oh i want to tell this person that i feel good about them i don't care that they exist because i'm happy that they're here so i'm going to tell them but that just objectifies you more because it's like well what else would i be doing on a tuesday afternoon i'm buying crisps linda leave me alone there's nothing inspirational about this like, yeah. but then as soon as you open your mouth and say how about you don't say that yeah. people then turn around and say oh but I meant so well it's because it's because I care about you and then yeah. they turn you into the bad guy because you're not just willing to roll over and accept all of their amazing compliments because shouldn't we as disabled people be grateful that an able-bodied person is complimenting us just yeah. just take the compliment be grateful for it it's like well I'm not going to be grateful for catcalling in the same way that I'm not going to be grateful for someone telling me that I'm an inspiration just because I'm getting out of the house and yeah that it's nothing a, yeah that's a very good comparison actually. yeah I'm not I'm not going to be grateful for it because there's nothing to be grateful for here so it's yeah it's harder to get anything done when there's like a, almost like a false support for yeah. yeah and that's what kind of inspiration porn is I see as is like false allyship yeah it is I think every single I would say that I'm ableist in terms of I haven't fully unlearnt all of the many years of hatred I've put upon myself and my illness all of the internalized ableism it's still pretty ingrained and if it's ingrained in me someone who's tried to spend so much of my time and effort unlearning it it's definitely ingrained in every able-bodied person yeah ever and you know that doesn't mean that they're all inherently bad people blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but maybe you should spend some time realizing that you saying to me oh well done like for what just well done yeah maybe you're in the wrong and you deserve to be criticized for that they're bad yeah and i i, I never like to compare because you can't really but if we have learned anything for the past like few months during lockdown following like the George Floyd um, incident and the Black Lives Matter protests and all this stuff, it's been, I don't know, the circles that I'm in and I'm hoping the circles that everyone else is in, we've heard we need to unlearn our white privilege. We need to realise that we are all have contributed to racism. Therefore, mm. in a similar effect, every able-bodied person Every disabled person, non-disabled, whoever you um, whatever identify and you know experience, you need to unlearn ableism. Yeah, I don't Straight people like... need to unlearn homophobia. Yeah. Cis people need to unlearn transphobia because yeah. the societies that we live in are fundamentally racist, homophobic, ableist, and transphobic. We yeah. need to unlearn all of these things and sexist, and mm. we need to unlearn all of these things. And it can't. We can't just be sitting here in a little bubble saying oh no we can only focus on one social issue at the moment because guess yeah. what people from ethnic minorities are more likely to be disabled who yeah. fucking knew yeah ableism doesn't exist in a little bubble yeah um, disabled but... people aren't like their own little group and that's something that we'll um yeah probably talk about in like our session in a couple of weeks the whole point of like accessibility and feminism disability and feminism it's like you can't have the movements be exclusive you need to put um, like anti-ableism work into your feminism, into your anti-racist work, into exactly. this, that, the next thing, because, yeah. But it's amazing the amount of woke people on Instagram and Twitter, um, generally white people, who yeah. will um, be very proud of their unlearning of, unlearning of racism, unlearning of homophobia, and will never once ever mention anything to to do with disability at all never accessibility yeah. does not cross their mind even when they are mm -hmm. being performatively yeah. aware of other issues and that's just not it's just not good enough yeah. people need to step up in the same way that they you know show up for women's marches sorry i didn't show up to the women's march because the women's march goes up 10 flights of stairs for no fucking reasons it's like well no of course it's not inclusive because he didn't include me yeah i couldn't get you. through the fucking door so oh. maybe if you'd let me in <sighs> let me in <laughs> 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 <laughs>
For listeners, Ellen is referencing that vine. <laughs> Was the it the bus? Vine? The woman yeah. in the bus. You all know what it is. Oh my god, we need to yeah. stop talking. <laughs> okay. Right, guys, I think we're going to have to wrap it up here. <laughs> it's been a very long time, but we have had fun. Haven't we had fun, guys? Oh, we've had fun. Uh, absolutely. That's great. Thank you so much, Ellen, for coming on. Kind You're welcome. Like, but not really. Uh, and thank you, Callum, for us um, asking questions and then sitting back for an hour. <laughs> you did it so well. Through this. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Sorry, yeah. Callum. Thank you, everyone, or whoever has made it to the end. If you've made it to the end, we really enjoyed it. Your mum will have. Well, shout out to Ellen's mum. I'm left to say is make sure to follow us on social media so that you can hear about our next session. The next one is, as Callum said, the Media Club stuff is all on Femsoc Fam if you want to look at it before. And then after that, on to our Accessibility and Feminism session. Can't remember what the specific date is, but it's always Tuesday, seven o'clock on Zoom. We are at Femsoc Napier on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Ellen, would you like to plug your socials? Uh, Ellen Blunson on pretty much everything until I need to actually get a job. So, okay. Find me there. <laughs> Whenever that is, um, <laughs> you can find Ellen at Ellen Blunston. And yeah, we're really excited. We're going to be working on some other stuff this month, maybe our own podcast, plug, plug, yeah. and whatever else. So, thank you so much for listening and getting involved any way that you have done. And we'll see you, hear you in the next one. Bye.